Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. When I was preparing for my message and reading this passage about this Samaritan leper who is a foreigner, I can't help but think back to the time when I was a foreigner in different countries, the United States and and coming into Canada and just that whole journey. Uh, we left, I left Indonesia when I was nine years old and we went to the United States and we ended up being there for about six years. I was living in Texas, but it was tough, tough because just of the different um, struggles of fitting in and learning the culture, the, the, the language, the schooling, but I adjusted and, and we loved the li- I loved the life we had there and, and I enjoyed the friendships that I made, but we had to leave. We had to leave because of an immigration issue and, and we, we couldn't afford the lawyers anymore and it got super complicated with all those things. So we had to, we had to leave. So my dad had this idea to move here to Canada. And when I first heard Canada, I was thinking about that old Coca-Cola ad, you know, the the polar bear with like the snowstorm and igloos. And I'm going, no way I'm going to Canada. Like, it's too cold up here. But then uh, the kicker in in this move, when my dad told us we're moving, was that he said that we're going to go into Canada as a refugee. And that was a process that I didn't understand And it was probably one of the hardest moments of my life. I remember we were going, we left Texas and we were on our way to Buffalo, New York. And we arrived in this modern day refugee camp because there were so many people from different places, different countries that wanted to cross the border. And we had to wait there for that process and we had to wait for our turn. I remember being uh, split from my mom and my sister and I had to be with my dad. We were in this big room of this shared bunk bed space with different people. Sometimes I'm not even sleeping in the same bunk bed as my dad. Shared washrooms, scheduled meals, and just, I didn't like it. I hated it. I hated it with all my life. And then we, we finally got our turn and we, we crossed the border. And the, in the board, at the border, it was such a long, lengthy process of interviews and documentations and 
all of that stuff. Then finally we, we were approved to cross the border and here I was in downtown Montreal, Quebec and this tall building I recall and, and it was just another modern day refugee camp. And we were living there for the first couple of months. You know, we were waiting for the government assistance. We were waiting for approvals for different immigration and things. And, and then we finally got our apartment. I remember that first couple of years was so tough. And I remember being ashamed of my family because my dad couldn't find a job. My mom couldn't find a job. And I was struggling with school and I had to learn French in the French school system and they were gonna backtrack all of my grades and I couldn't graduate at the right time. And I remember being ashamed because I was lining up in these food banks in this, these Catholic churches, getting some expired bread and expired yogurt, feeling low, lowest point in my life. But when I read this passage and I was preparing for this share, and I think about the context of being a Samaritan leper in those days. I mean, no argument. He had it worse than me. You, you were the lowest of the low if you were a Samaritan leper. And so let me give you some context on what that means. One, if you were a Samaritan in those days, you were looked down upon. You were rejected. You, were, you had no value. And it all goes back to this old beef, this ongoing religious and racial animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. And they're, they're equally Jews in terms of the blood and their, their DNA then, but because they intermarried with these pagan society called the Assyrians, they were seen as half-breeds. There were some commentaries that I read, they were even called dogs by the Jews. You had no value. Bottom line, Samaritans and Jews, they don't hang out together. And then the leprosy. I mean, nowadays, if you have some kind of skin rash or skin problem, whatever it is, you go to the emergency, you get a prescription for some kind of cream. But back in those days, it was bigger than that. I mean, you were already seen as an unclean person by the society. That's one. But there was actually a law a Jewish law that tells you that you need to be, you needed to be isolated from everyone in that society. You can't get near anyone. You were so rejected and isolated that you needed to be away. And, and, and it was fascinating. One of the commentaries in this interaction between these 10 men, 10 lepers and Jesus, they were, it said that they were at least a hundred paces away from Jesus because they were honoring the law. You had no value. You were unloved. It was so bad that according to the Jewish law, you were, you were legally dead. You don't even exist in the society if you had leprosy. And so understanding that context, the combination of you being a Samaritan and you had leprosy, the lowest of the low possible. So the question that I have as I was reading and preparing this message is why did Jesus, a Jew, took the time to engage to heal and to elevate this foreigner, this Samaritan leper. Two words to simply summarize this whole passage for me and what I took away from it. Trust and obey. And trust and obey applies to both the Samaritan leper, the foreigner, but also applies to Jesus. Let me unpack that a little bit. For the Samaritan leper, Recall back to the passage, what was the first thing that he was crying out? Again, 100 paces away. What was he yelling at Jesus? 
He said, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on me. Let's dissect that a bit because that word mercy in Luke, the writer of this passage, is very, very intentional in, in writing the way he did. And so that word in Greek, it means epistates. The word means that if you call someone that, master, that person has authority over your life, over everything of your life. He is the Lord over your life. If you, if you use that word to call someone. And so in this moment, this Samaritan leper is choosing trust, trusting that this Jesus, and perhaps he's heard of other occasions when Jesus had healed other lepers and healed and did other healings and throughout his ministry. And here he is asking, Master, the Lord over my life, epistates, have mercy on me. And that's, that's the second layer. Have mercy on me. I would think if I had leprosy and I knew of Jesus' credentials of healing someone, the first thing I would ask is not mercy. I would say, Jesus, heal me right now of this leprosy. Get rid of these, this skin issue out of, out of my skin, out of my body. But he said, have mercy on, on me. And there's layers to that. We're going to end it with that. But he's asking Jesus in this moment something of a deeper healing, a big, bigger healing than, than just leprosy. And he's choosing to trust Jesus over his life. And often we can have a problem with that. That's one of the things that's almost like a barrier for a lot of us is recognizing and saying, Jesus, yes, you are the master. You are the Lord over everything in my life. And then let's look at Jesus. How did, what did trust look like for Jesus? Again, he's a smart man. He knew the law. He knew what was going on. And he knew this, these men were, had leprosy. And he knew that he, he was a Samaritan against the law for you to be engaging with him. But in this moment, Jesus chose trust over suspicion. And I love that because it's, it's one of our staff value here at One Church T.O., where we, we want to choose trust over suspicion over each other and over the people that we serve on a weekly basis. It's simply this, and we've done this, and I've actually done this going back to my story. The first few years I was in Canada, when I was in those refugee camps with all sorts of people and from different countries and different places, I had the audacity to actually judge them myself. To think, man, what's wrong with you? And, and I created these different narratives about these people that I've never met, never had a conversation to, with or, or engage in any way. I simply prejudged them based on their looks, based on where they are, their circumstances. Often we do that with social class, skin color, what they're driving, what they're not driving. And here Jesus is displaying something powerful. He's choosing trust over suspicion. He's saying... Let me lean in. Let me stop. Let me engage. Let me elevate this person who's different than me. And let me understand and realize what his story is before I prejudge them. So Jesus chose trust over suspicion. So the second thing, obedience, obey. What did that look like for the Samaritan leper? And what did it look like for Jesus? Well, let's go back to the passage. So these men ask Jesus, the master, have mercy on us. And this is how Jesus responded to them. Go, show yourself to the priests. And I'm thinking, 
Well, wait a minute. I'm asking you for healing of my leprosy. I'm asking you to remove things out of my skin. And you're telling me to go show myself to the priest. And we got to go back to the context, to the law. You needed, if you were ever miraculously healed by God in that day, in those days, you needed to run back to the temple, to the priest, to be verified that your skin, the leprosy is out of your body. And then the priest will allow you back into the temple, back into the society. And so here's Jesus. These men still have the leprosy. And he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And we get caught up, I get caught up in this all the time where I'm being challenged and I, I can easily come to Jesus in full surrender, full trust. And then through the Holy Spirit, He's challenging me to do something, maybe forgive my enemy, maybe to contribute or give, maybe to sacrifice this or honor this. And I go, Jesus, that's, that's tough, man. How about if we do it this way? How about if I give you a five-step plan to heal me of my leprosy? And we negotiate often with Jesus or we give him an alternative that fits into our life the way we want to do it, fit in our box. But how did they respond? No negotiation, uh, no argument with Jesus. They simply went and scripture says, as they went, they were healed. Obedience is tough, friends, but often we're at that point when, when, when Jesus and God is trying to elevate, elevate us, where he's challenging us to do something quite challenging. That's, it doesn't feel good. Often we need to simply obey him fully in obedience because he's the Lord over our lives and we've trusted him with everything, every single area of our lives. And we need to simply obey in this moment. And then Jesus how did he, what did obedience look like for Jesus? This is what I love about him. Even though he is God, he displays and he shows, he exemplifies to us that he is in constant obedience to the Father. That the Father is priority over his life. He's the head honcho. He would take time to retreat from people to pray to the Father. And, and the Father is so important. He's in full obedience. And so in this engagement, it wasn't, his will that he's trying to stop and to get glorified he was simply honoring god the father by stopping by healing by loving and elevating the samaritan leper and we see it because we're going to jump ahead a little bit here at the end but when the samaritan leper came back and jesus asked yo what happened to the other nine where were they how come you're the only one praising the father you know, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, how come it's only you that's coming here on my, on my feet and worshiping me? Where's my money? Where's my whatever? No, he's simply saying, you're the only one that's actually giving praise to the Father. And that's the whole point. And so he's honoring and he's obeying the Father, God the Father, in this moment as he's engaging with the Samaritan leper. So conclusion, and this is my, one of my favorite parts. So as they went, these 10 guys, as they went, they were healed. And Luke, again, so intentional in his writing and the way he writes, by saying that only one, the Samaritan, came back, the foreigner, by implication, it meant that the other nine were Jews. And this is one of the commentary that mentioned that. It was fascinating. And so he went back and he was the only one that went back to Jesus. And he kneeled, he got on his feet. 
he, he showed this posture of worship to Jesus by being on his feet and praising God in this moment. He was worshiping. And it's worth noting here, often we think of worship as music or that first 15, 20 minutes in our gatherings. And we often forget that there's depth to what worship is. It's not an, an adjective, it's, it's an action. It's what we do. And we see it with Abraham, even back in the Old Testament, when he said to his servant, I'm going up to the mountain to worship God, knowing that he needed perhaps to sacrifice his son. But no, he worshiped because his posture, his heart and hands was towards Jesus on his feet, worshiping. But why did he run back? Again, the law. You needed to go to the temple to see the priests, to be verified, and then you're back into society. Things are back to normal. Perhaps something that he's been looking for all of his life, but yet he ran back to Jesus. And this is the most powerful, most beautiful thing that I took away from this passage. This foreigner, this Samaritan leper, was not looking for acceptance by society, by the world, by the temple or the priests. With his leprosy, with the brokenness, the pain of being rejected, devalued, unloved, all those years, he finally found what acceptance and love is through Jesus Christ. And he worshipped him. And it was the one thing, in the first time for the very, for the very first time in a very long time, he felt accepted, he felt loved, and he was elevated by Jesus Christ. And I love that. And Jesus didn't end there. He said, because of your faith, because of your worship, because of you running back and recognizing that, you have eternal life. Your faith has saved you. I love that line. You know, often we, uh, we can find ourselves in two different places as you're watching this maybe. Maybe uh, these days you're feeling like the foreigner, maybe unloved, outcasted, um, unaccepted and, and devalued and looked upon on, by your family or whatever it is. We can feel like that foreigner. Choose to trust and obey and fully surrender and coming to the source, the healer, to elevate, elevate us once again and to lift us and to heal us of our brokenness. But maybe you're more like Jesus as followers of Jesus. Maybe you've been in this for a while. And again, Jesus is very intentional in exemplifying and showing us that those moments, whenever we get to meet people that are different from us, different color skin, different social class, different bank accounts, they're driving different cars, they talk differently. It's an opportunity for us to, to unfold God's beautiful plan to show love to others, to elevate them by choosing trust over suspicion and obeying the Father. So whether you're feeling like the Samaritan leper, this foreigner who's far away from Jesus and needed healing or being lifted and elevated, or maybe you're running towards Jesus, it's an opportunity for us this season to trust and obey. Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus Than to trust and obey Trust 
trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus Than to trust and obey Jesus, how I trust Him, how I'll prove Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Trust and obey two postures that those that are new or those that have been around are invited in to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, it's a challenging message that Pastor Richard just gave us, and I love his authenticity, his honesty, the rawness of his story. And for many new Canadians, that, that's a similar story. I, I was with a family this past week, and they were talking about their journey into Canada and and just the some of the prejudicial walls the the difficulty of just getting established and so that's a challenge to every one of us every one of us that are here just how how can we be welcoming not just to our nation but into our church community how can be we welcoming to the people that God has intersecting with our lives that might process life a little differently than us and see things from a different vantage point and in the beauty of that connection, that Samaritan leper going to that Jewish teacher of the law, and then in turn, devoting himself through trusting him and obeying him. Notice that trust comes before obedience because the context for obedience, healthy obedience, is a relationship. And when you're in a relationship with someone and you know they love you and they only want what's best for you, all of a sudden, Trust means that when they ask something of you, even if you don't quite understand why, what, or should you, you, you trust them. Uh, one author put it this way, he said this, when we see things as God sees them, we are more likely to do what God wants. When we see things as God sees them. See, you need to understand in the context of Jesus, he's the most loving, he, uh, he wants only the best for you. So when Jesus asks something of you, it's because he wants something for you. Remember that statement. If Jesus is asking something of you, it might be a step of obedience. It might be to do something or to not do something. When Jesus asks something of you, it's only because he wants something for you. And what Jesus has for you is always greater freedom, a, a deeper healing. Uh, a more connected connection to his presence and love and, and a deeper experience of grace. So I'd love to pray with two groups of people. I would like to pray with those of you who might say, there's eight people in our last gathering. You might say, listen, I want to follow Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with him. And then I want to pray for those of us because I'm sure many of you were as challenged as I were from Pastor Rich as he talked about trusting God with areas of our lives because some of us are followers of Jesus, but there's areas of our life that, to be honest, we are, we're struggling to trust him with. And that shows up in the area of obedience. 
I can measure my depth of trust by my depth of obedience in different areas of my life. And if you're like me, I do a little bit of math sometimes. I realize, oh, I, I'm obeying him really well in these areas, so I must trust him, but I, I leave out the other areas that I'm struggling with. And we're gonna have a, just a moment of surrender with him. So we're gonna pray, and it's not magical. It's, it's just incredibly powerful when we are sincere in it and we're speaking to the person of Jesus. So I wanna invite you to pray with me now. If you would like to follow Jesus, you pray along with me. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your grace. Uh, just as you healed that leper, you didn't just heal him physically, the, the very apparent need he had. You restored him also back into community. God, your healing always goes deeper and richer and wider and further than we could even have imagined. We often come to you asking for something, but we always get more than we bargain for. So Jesus, we come to you today. And if this is you, you just find yourself in this prayer. I surrender. I choose to put my faith and trust in you. I pray that you would forgive me, Jesus, of everything that I've done that has created a barrier between you and me or me and even others. I pray that you would fill that barrier with your grace and you would restore me back into relationship with yourself. Fill me with your spirit. I want to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And then I wanna pray with those of us who are already followers of Jesus. Father, we're challenged today We've been challenged to trust you at a deeper level. So God, I pray that you would search my heart and search all of our hearts and see if there be any place in our life, Lord, where God, uh, trust is not coming easy for us or maybe we are overtly not choosing to trust your way. We're choosing our way over your way. Uh, we, we hold whatever that is, uh, a relationship, a pursuit of a relationship, our children that we've elevated beyond our elevation of you in our lives, our career pursuits, Lord, our educational pursuits, our resources, our finances, our, the thing, our entertainment even, God. We just bring it all towards you, God. None of it may be bad in itself, but God, maybe there are areas we're just not trusting your way. We were taking shortcuts. We're not trusting that you are working all things together for good for those who love you. So we, in this moment, ask you to forgive us. And we pray, Jesus, that we, as we surrender these things to you, would you be at work meeting our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, we want to not just say we trust you. We want to demonstrate that we trust you by obeying you. So your way over our way. We want this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. 
So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.